consumers trust advertising less and less every year. So the idea of influencer marketing is to make it like a personal recommendation from a friend. The brands that we have seen do it are getting massive organic reach out of it. We're dealing with humans here. You know, marketers, we're humans. Influencers are humans. So if you have the opportunity to create an amazing experience for either side, that's where you'll get the most out of the campaign. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to the Add to Cart podcast. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and strategist at e-commerce consultancy 12 High. In today's episode, we dive into all things influencer marketing. We've got Danielle Lewis, who joins me from the foam pit. Yes, a bloody foam pit of her influencer agency and platform, Scrunch. In this conversation, we talk about what you should look for when selecting influencers to represent your brand, how to brief them to get the best response, and the future of social influencers on platforms such as Instagram and the TikTok. Plus, Danielle takes us behind the scenes on how one of her clients, you may know them, Foods uses social influencers to drive results. So, thanks to our partner Shopify Plus and Signet, here's our conversation on influencers with Danielle Lewis from Scrunch. Danielle Lewis, welcome to Add to Cart. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. We're really stoked to have you on to talk everything influencer marketing. Um, and look, correct me if I'm talking the wrong terms, but can you give us an overview of how influencers are at the center of your world? Yeah, absolutely. So Scrunch is a influencer marketing platform and agency. So you are right. Our entire world does revolve around influencers. Um, and, but in a few different ways. So from a software point of view, um, we have developed a global platform that has over 20 million influencers. And really it's an analytics tool. So we seek to understand the audience behind the influencer so that when a brand comes and uses the Scrunch platform, they can really understand the person that they're going to reach if they use an influencer versus just who the influencer actually is. Um, However, as our company has evolved, we have also realized that there is an opportunity to help educate the influencer community as well and help them build a sustainable business. So we also have become educators to influencers uh, and brands similarly as well. Um, And then on the agency side of our business, uh, we essentially execute the influencer campaign. So your bigger companies like your Amazons, UFoods, Deliveries of the World may not have the internal resources to run an influencer campaign. One thing people should know about influencer campaigns is that they are very, very tedious, very time-consuming. Um, there's lots of moving parts and lots of manual effort. So lots of companies don't have the time to do that themselves. They don't have full-time influencer resources, so they outsource it to us. Um, so we are talking to influencers all day, every day, and love it. Awesome. And what comes first? Is it from building Scrunch as a business, did it come first that you had a whole bunch of influencers that you were connected with or that you had a whole bunch of brands that needed influencers? 
Oh gosh. Well, the backstory on Scrunch is, is very convoluted. So we did not start as an influencer platform at all. We started out, we've actually been four different things in the life cycle of Scrunch, but the one just prior to being an influencer platform was like a social media monitoring tool um, and an inventory tracking solution. And it was actually through talking to our customers. Um, uh, they actually were the ones that said, Hey, I'm really interested in influencers. And we realized that we had access to the data on these influencers, data on social media. And so we pivoted into becoming an influencer platform. It's actually a little bit ironic. I personally have started a blog over 10 years ago. And when we started the Scrunch business, we never put two and two together to start a blogging or influencer kind of product. It just came full circle at the end. And I went, hang on a second, why didn't we start this in the beginning since I've been in this industry for a decade? But anyway, live and learn. It's so funny, isn't it? Because even those social media tools, uh, we started one in 2008 and like, like it was so early. But at the time, it was fantastic because you could get so much information about people on social media. Like we were able to do the influencer ranking. That quickly went away once everyone started locking their profiles down. It became really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And that's social media, isn't it? You know, you've just had to adjust and change basically every month for new algorithms, new trends, new everything. But, um, yeah, it keeps it exciting, I think. It does. It does. So when you're assessing new influencers or potential influencers that you want to connect into your clients, what are the key things that you look for from it from an influencer perspective? So the biggest one is to first not think about the influencer. So really, and this is goes back to like, this is marketing 101. I think some, it's really funny when people think about influencers, they kind of forget about marketing fundamentals. So we always say to a brand, go back to your brand, your product and your customer. So really understand who it is you're trying to target, what message you need to get out to them, where they are, what platform they're on. And that will actually inform your influencer selection. So Yes, if you're a fashion or beauty brand, it's probably going to be on Instagram because that's where people are consuming that type of content. But if you're a B2B brand, your influencer might be on LinkedIn or might have a personal blog. Um, so it really comes back to figuring out where your customer is um, and who they follow. And that should sort of filter down to the influencer level. Yeah, that makes total sense. And when you've got brands stepping into this space, do you normally see them start with, and, and I may be talking something that's sacrilegious, do you start big numbers of followers for your, for your influencers or do you start kind of more the micro level? Uh, it depends on budget and uh, what you want to get out of it. So obviously the more followers they have, uh, the more expensive they're going to be. Um, but it's also tactical as well. So if you, if your outcome of running an influencer campaign is you just want mass amounts of content in market, the most cost effective way to do that is with micro influencers. So we would suggest going out and finding a whole bunch of people that maybe have 20,000 or less followers. If you want to do a TV campaign and you want to pick an influencer that's super well-known, has lots of followers, you might go for someone more macro. Also down to thinking about the call to action as well. If you want to drive product sales, you need to make it really easy for the followers to actually buy the product. So then if you're on Instagram, you'd need to be working with people that have 10,000 followers or more so they can have a swipe up link in their story as an example. So again, it kind of comes back to the strategic piece at the start 
figuring out where your customer is and what outcome you want out of the campaign and that will then drive your influencer selection. Yeah, okay. And in terms of costs, and I know, know it'll vary per influencer, but if you're kind of looking at that ten to 20,000 follower count for an influencer, what kind of price range are we looking at there? So you're probably looking about $50 a post um, and also a product. So making sure that you actually send them something so they can create unique content for you. Mm. And are they generally picky around which brands they work with? Or I'm assuming it varies. It totally varies. Um, some people, uh, you know, you'll look at the, you'll look at these Instagram pages and you'll see product, 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 product. And you know, some brands don't mind working with people like that. That's totally fine. There's definitely a place for it. But people that have a very strong, uh, I guess, brand identity may look for influencers who kind of have a bit more of a spread of just general content and then kind of pepper in the the product shots. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can tell it straight away, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think your point around the ten thousand followers or more for that direct buy from Instagram is is a really key point. What about in terms of that direct conversion attribution? You see a lot of influencers having coupon codes or specific codes. Is that generally the best way for to attribute success of a campaign if it is a sales focused campaign? Yeah, coupon codes and unique tracking links. So if you do have that swipe up capability or if you're using the influencer content in an ad, um, then just making sure you're using a UTM. If you are just sort of doing more generalized and maybe using a variety of different levels of influencers, then a coupon code is really good. Um, the thing about coupon codes is that not everyone will use them. Um, you know, people forget. I do it every, every time I go, oh, I'll buy that because I've got 10% off and then I forget to use the coupon code. So does it's not kind of bulletproof but it's definitely gives you a good track so if you looked at your coupon code usage and went wow that's really amazing it's it was probably better than you thought it was so yeah yeah that makes sense and in terms of vetting influencers to make sure that their follow account is real and that they actually get real engagement because i'm assuming you they won't let you inside their instagram pages to check what kind of engagements they're getting on their on their pages how do you vet them um, for your clients yeah, so there's a number of different ways that you can do it and we are fortunate now that we've got the technology to just do it programmatically but I always like to tell people that you can kind of do it the manual way or the paid way because obviously technology platforms, there's a, a cost usually. Um, so if you're doing it kind of yourself and you just want to be able to look at an influencer and assess it, um, there's just some red flags to look out for. So their engagement rate. Um, so if they're in, their audience isn't engaged with what they're talking about, A, that could be fake followers, but also you probably don't want to work with them anyway because the audience doesn't care about what they're talking about and your um, image or your product won't be seen by a lot of people. If they are reluctant to give you screenshots of their analytics, that's also a red flag. So when we look at it in the Scrum software platform, if they are, let's say they're a Melbourne-based fashion influencer, but 50% of their followers are in based in Singapore or somewhere, just somewhere really random, um, yeah. that can be a bit of a red flag. There's also things to look at in terms of the breakup of accounts following them as well. So from a manual point of view, if you just looked at their followers, if you ha can see a whole lot of followers that are just random letters and numbers, don't have profile images, those types of things, they're often bots. If you use a technology platform, it'll just tell you the split of 
male, female and other or brand accounts. So that can just be a quicker way. So really there are other things too in terms of like how quickly their followers grow and things like that. But sometimes they're a little bit hard to look at in isolation, especially if the influencer has gotten press or something like that. Um, so we always say there's a combination of different data points to assess um, so that you can really understand whether they are yeah, fake followers or fake engagement. Online retail is changing rapidly and it might never slow down. So when retail changes, you change retail. Sell at the speed of change with Shopify Plus and grow with demand, on demand, using a platform that can handle up to 10,000 transactions per minute. For bigger business at startup speed, visit shopify.com.au slash plus. That's shopify.com.au slash plus because the future belongs to the fast. In terms of some of the clients that you've worked with, can you have you got any examples that come to mind where you've paired them with an influencer for a really fantastic outcome? Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we've got a few different examples and different clients that use them in different ways. Um, one of my, just because we've been talking about attribution, one of my favorite ones is always UFoods um, and mostly because they have their house in order from a marketing point of view. So sometimes when customers come to us, they, um, you look at their social media and they don't even post on it. And it's sort of like, well, why use influencers to drive consumers to your social media or your website if you're not keeping it up to date? So from a conversion point of view, you do really have to think about the full customer journey. Um, influencers won't just like change your business overnight. Um, and so UFIDs are amazing because they absolutely get that. They are all over everything, you know, their website conversion, um, their social media, their content. Uh, they they advertise everywhere. So from a touch point point of view, everyone's seeing UFIDs somewhere, uh, which really helps obviously influencers as well. They attribute influencer uh, sales through coupon codes as well. So I love that because it means we can actually track the effectiveness of them. Um, and they are also amazing at giving influencers freedom and flexibility. So yes, they always have a product that they're pushing or a campaign message and that type of thing. And they have guide rails, but they're so amazing at letting creators just create. And that always translates into amazing content. The type of stuff that we see come out of the UFoods campaign is just stuff you'd never think of to direct an influencer to create. Um, so not only is it amazing content, but it converts really well and they track it all the way through to a product sale as well so they know it's working, um, which is, yeah, so they're one of my favourite ones to work on. And and did it take time for them to develop that trust with their influencers or did it kind of kick off from the get-go? Yeah, so they they were great from the get-go um, and we – so because we manage the influencer campaigns for them, we are a, a bit of a first line of defence in terms of what content actually is allowed to go through, which I think helps as well. So when we get a brief, um, we translate that brief into an influencer brief, um, which sort of sets out the guide rails for the influencer when they're creating their content and we're also the QA partner as well so we make sure that it does it is actually on brief before it goes back to them um so that i think helps speed up the process but they're they're always i just as a business sort of and you know internal culture point of view they're just open to new ideas so i think from the get-go they probably were a little bit more trusting than than some other brands are yeah that makes sense so if they're briefing you i just want to get an idea of what that brief looks like so if you go we want this end outcome and we've got this product 
and we know we want to use social media and we want to use influential people to get it out there. It's kind of up to them how they do it. How do they brief you? What, what, what makes a good brief? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. So sometimes, um, sometimes a good brief is actually a loose brief so that we can be collaborative. Um, from a UFoods point of view, they, they really know their customer. Um, and yes, they're open to testing, but they know their product, they know their customer. Um, and then they kind of, um, optimize from there. But what makes a good brief is potentially a customer that is open to figuring out who their customer is and open to testing. So um, back in the early days of some of the campaigns we ran with them, we actually tested different um, audiences as well. So obviously, if you were running a Facebook ad or a Google ad, you would be testing different um, audience segments, different copy, different creatives. You can actually do that with influencer marketing as well. And some people don't realize that. Um, so what we did with them was we designed um, essentially five different tests where we looked at different audiences and different influencers that spoke to their audiences, um, different creatives, different calls to actions, and actually tested them against each other using the coupon codes so that over time we've been able to optimize. So going back to the original question, which was what makes a good brief, essentially it is a um, either knowing who your customer is or a willingness to figure it out and go through the testing process. So if you can have information about what your brand is, who you think your customer is, and then different ideas on what you want to test and different creatives, but I guess being open to collaboration so we can effectively use our decades worth of working with influencers um, to provide a little bit of direction as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So it kind of comes back to what you were saying at the start is that don't throw out the marketing fundamentals that you've always worked with and use those marketing fundamentals to work with people like yourselves and the influencers to come up with creative new ways to deliver your message. Exactly. Exactly. The yeah. biggest thing about influencer marketing is it's it's supposed to be authentic. It's supposed to be in lieu of advertising. You know, people consumers trust advertising less and less every year apparently according to all the studies um so the idea of influencer marketing is to make it like a personal recommendation from a friend so the more collaborative you can be um whilst using all of your data and analytics um the better yeah cool and just out of interest for that you foods campaign or the ongoing campaign um which influences did you end up using um, so they actually, well, see, they is an ongoing test. So they use micros all the way through to macros. They use video. Um, they're often not, they're mostly on Instagram as a channel. Um, but they are consistently changing, consistently testing and optimizing. So, um, you know, tomorrow could be different. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of a strategy around that, because I think that's a really interesting point is that a lot of people, you know, come from an old world of brand ambassadors and you kind of mm. pick one or two brand ambassadors and they're your people that are on TV, they're on radio, they're kind of flogging your message 24-7. It's a very different approach that you've got there. Do you find most brands find a handful of influences that they stick with or that they're constantly changing? So the idea is that you should be optimizing. So you should um, do an initial test with, say, you know, 10, 20, 50, 100 influencers and then figure out the group that works so that you can then put those people into a longer-term contract and almost have them as your ambassadors and then subbing in a new set for other ones that didn't work so that you're consistently optimizing and testing over time. Um so from an influencer point of view, it's it's on social media and social media is a conversation. So doing a one-off campaign can be great and can achieve objectives, but it should be considered as an ongoing body of work to really get the best results. 
Yeah, makes sense. If we um, take a look at a bit, bit more of a world view, are there any brands or, or retailers out there that you see are using influencers in a really kind of innovative way? Yeah, definitely. So it's really interesting to see the types of brands and I guess the the age of the brands as well. So there are a whole heap of brands that are quite young um, and quite lifestyle and they have been built by people probably in our age demographic uh, and they get influencer marketing because they have grown up on social media and they do it so well. They design products in collaboration with influencers. They always have influencer content. They're sending out free products to everyone all the time, having this mass content in market. Um, Their whole marketing strategies center around influencers because they know that their their customers or the consumers are looking to those influencers. Um, And that's kind of the benchmark. Like one of the big brands, um, Revolve, uh, they're probably the ones they attribute, I think, $70 $70 billion a year of their sales or something crazy or 70% of their billion dollar sales. Either way, it's huge, <laughs> whatever it is, um, to influencers. It's just crazy. And that's their whole marketing strategy is influencer first versus, you know, these are the 10 ways in which we advertise and influencers is one of them. Um, yeah. you know, so that's probably, I guess, the, the global benchmark. And then it's funny because then we see, I guess, some older brands just sort of dipping their toes in the water that do, doing these sort of tiny one-off campaigns and, and wondering why it hasn't kind of changed their lives. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. And, and that's, I think what we're seeing, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're seeing influencers, exactly what you said, change business models, but influencers become their own businesses. So take Kendall Jenner as the poster child of this, right, is that before it was, you know, millions of dollars to get a post for Kendall and she went, actually, I'm going to start my own beauty company and become one of the biggest beauty brands itself. Totally. It is so smart. And I think, you know, that's really what we're trying to say to influencers now as well is you are a brand, you are a business. So you need to conduct yourself in that manner, you know, when you're working on campaigns. So, you know, being professional, doing all of those bits and pieces um, and understanding the business side of the equation. But for longevity, building your, your, you own the conversation with your audience. So there's a few things there. Some people have built their influence just around one channel only. So Instagram, um, we all, I guess, marketers know that that is not a great move because Instagram, Facebook, any of these platforms can turn you off overnight. And that's exactly what we've seen happen is, you know, brands complain that they don't get organic reach, so they have to boost. Same thing happens to influencers. So they post and barely any people see it. So then that's why boosting came into play and now we boost influencer content. Um, but as an influencer, that's what your whole business is predicated on. So, you, you know, really thinking about how you own the customer conversation by creating your own website or email list or something to bring them back to, then that kind of sets up the foundation for you to be able to launch your own products as well in the future yeah that makes sense is that something that you need to take into account that uh obviously partnering with the influencer but then also paying for ad spend to boost those those posts as well is that something that you factor into your campaigns yeah, definitely. So, and it's something that, again, um, from an optimization point of view, you can kind of figure out later down the campaign. So, we always uh, tell the brands to set aside some um, media spend. Um, and then as the campaign's running, we can figure out the best performers um, and boost the ones that are working. Gotcha. So, you don't pre-boost, you just see how it lands and then 
yeah, give them give them a boost from that. Love them a nudge. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, you talked a little bit about Instagram, and um, well, we talked a lot about Instagram, and obviously a dominant channel for influencers at the moment. Do you see that trend continuing? Do you see a move off Facebook and Instagram continuing its growth? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's going away anytime soon, but the the conversation is different because it's now a paid platform. So, yes, you have your influencers, but you've got to boost them to reach the audience. It's becoming more and more like an advertising model. Um, so then new and emerging social platforms like TikTok uh, where you now get the most organic reach. So... Obviously, it's a different market on TikTok, but we are seeing, but it will commercialize. So right now it is the young kids doing their dances. Um, but the bigger brands like your Sephora's of the world are already on there building their audience because they know that's where attention will move to. I think this, this moment in time that we're going through has seen a lot of people move over to TikTok just to provide themselves a level of entertainment. Um, so the brands will quickly follow. Uh, and I think that's what we've learned over the last decade of being in digital and social media is that every one to two years there is a new trend or a new platform we're talking about so i think people would you know if we just look at history that it's fairly obvious that that's going to continue to happen yeah uh, i'm a guilty tiktoker right i'm not a dancer i don't post anything but it's always that moment (laughs) find me if you can um (laughs) it's always that moment after the kids go to bed and then it's like I'm just going to TikTok for five minutes and you always in guarantee a laugh, hey? Like you can always find something that's just 20 seconds of fun. Yes, exactly right. And then an hour passes and you wonder what you're doing (laughs) with your life. (laughs) And then you're posting videos of yourself dancing in your lounge room and then it gets really I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) We get it. You're pumping out a lot of products and a lot of packaging at the moment. Did you know that Mecca saved 30% in their packing time just by changing up how they pack their goods? Our partners at Signet have over 5,500 packaging solutions that help other businesses such as T2, Lush Cosmetics and IKEA make the most out of their packaging and logistics. Visit signet.net.au to find out more. On the TikTok thing though, one thing that's been going around in my head is that Instagram is accessible for most people, right? It's easy to take a photo, put a nice filter over it, whatever it is. So it's kind of average Joe. TikTok to me seems a little bit more putting yourself out there at the next level. Hey, do you think that makes it more influencer ready because it's not going to be for the average person to get on and create content? Yeah, so the average people are on there creating content. I think that the thing is, is they just get filtered to the bottom. So, yeah, and because it is, it's almost more technical on TikTok as well. So you see lots of people doing these crazy videos with colors changing and bits and pieces and it's sort of like out of the box, how do you do that without Googling how to do it? Um, so absolutely, it's more influencer friendly and that's how they've gone to market as well. So historically, you know, platforms like Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook have been kind of anti-influencer um, and then, you know, Facebook and Instagram have changed their tune now that they realise that they can make money out of influencers. Um, but I think TikTok kind of went influencer first, which was really interesting. Um, so I think we will see more and more influencers start to move there. And it will just be a matter of time as to how 
long they can hold their organic reach and how quickly they can build followers because that's the thing i guess if you're an influencer who has a hundred thousand followers today and you move to tiktok um you know how long is it going to take you to build up that same kind of following uh and how and you know right now everyone who moves there has kind of got that first mover advantage but that's that's quickly gonna dry up yeah have you had the opportunity to do any experiments with any of your clients on tiktok yet yeah, we have. So again, um, you know, more uh, different types of brands are sort of being more cautious uh, because they don't understand the platform yet and they do see it as a very young millennial um, style platform. Um, but the brands that we have seen do it are getting massive organic reach out of it. So um, yeah, if you're willing to test it, I think brands should definitely be testing it right now. Yeah, it's kind of the goldmine time, isn't it? Mm, definitely yeah awesome so we're recording this at the moment uh during covid right in the middle of it um we've seen oh, no. and spend yeah <laughs> we're still here um, we are <laughs> we've seen ad spend decrease significantly in facebook um google um and it seems to be on the way back what have you seen in terms of influencer spend yeah, so at the very start of it, um, influencers spend froze. Um, so we, and because I think people didn't know what to do, to be honest. So when, I mean, even personally from a scrunch point of view, we had clients in the event space and literally overnight they were told that they couldn't go ahead. Um, we had clients in the food space, everyone started hoarding food, so they weren't allowed to be seen to be advertising. So I think in the beginning, everyone kind of panicked and just froze spend. Um, then marketers realized that social media consumption tripled, <laughs> yeah, you know, within the space of a few yeah. weeks. So not being, not using influencers and not using social was actually a really bad idea because that's exactly where consumers were. Um, so we've seen it start to flip back now um, and people start to reinvest um, in those advertising channels. So, and the ones that actually got on it early did really well because there was such a huge move in things like, you know, activewear, uh, things for the home, entertainment. There's so many categories of people at home right now that need to be entertained. They need to be fed. They're bored out of their mind. Um, so the opportunity for brands right now is just enormous if they're hitting them where their attention is, which is social and influencer. It makes total sense. And how are influencers creating interesting content being stuck at home? Yeah, huge challenge, huge challenge. <laughs> um, and, that's, and that's interesting too because that's where brands have this amazing opportunity to connect with influencers. So by sending them really cute care packages to brighten their day, you know, right now everybody loves deliveries, right, because it's just like a break in the day. So we've seen a few brands send care packages to influencers that they've worked with in the past or influencers that they want to work with in the future, which has been absolutely amazing for um, not only the relationship that they're building, but also to get, you know, a little bit extra bang for their buck out of their campaigns when they do work with influencers. Um, you know, the thing that we need to remember is that everyone, we're, we're dealing with humans here, you know, marketers, we're humans, influencers are humans. So if you have the opportunity to create an amazing experience for either side, that's where you'll get the most out of the campaign. Um, but yeah, if you're, you know, also providing props for your influencers or anything that can kind of invigorate the content they create, even if it's like sending them a fresh bunch of flowers or something like that. And there's amazing backdrops and stuff that you can buy too. So 
injured people get creative once they've exhausted kind of their own bathroom shots or whatever um you know just ordering props and different pieces online and having brands send them things that they would love to see them work with as well um is really good it's such a good point because um we, we you know if we just treat them like humans and what we get excited about they probably get just as excited even more excited about um at Inside Retail last year, I was at, I saw a presentation from the founder of, uh, I think it's Silk, S-H-H-H-H Silk. Oh, yep. Uh, yep. Yep. And she's had phenomenal success with the Kardashians. I uh, can't believe Kardashians are getting two mentions in one episode. Um, <laughs> this is outrageous. <laughs> outrageous. But essentially, their business, yep. took, business took off because she got um, Kim Kardashian to post about one of her products. And the way she did it, she actually just forced away I don't know if this is legal, but into into the compound and just landed a product on her doorstep. And yeah, from and there, I think it was personalized as well. She actually uh, personalized. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then have developed such a great relationship with her. She said that she sends her basically ten packages, and for every ten every tenth package, one's the product, but the others might be a bottle of champagne to celebrate something, or just flowers, just because. And then yeah. a product arrives. Exactly. And that's it. If you treat people like they're your friend, then they go out of their way to be friendly back to you. It's really funny how it's not rocket science. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Love it. Um, That's such such great tips. Is there one tip that you want to leave our listeners with um, if they are considering bringing social influencers into the mix of their marketing? Yeah, absolutely. It's always do your research first. So understand who your customer is um, and make sure that the influencers that you plan to work with speak to that audience. Um, you know, obviously, shameless plug, that's exactly what the Scrunch platform does. <laughs> so it doesn't have to take you hours and hours and hours. Um, but if you want to do it yourself, just make sure you do that step. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Now, I can't let you go because you have actually started your own retail business in the midst of the COVID craziness. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting story. So we... um, at the end of last year, we had been talking to a beauty chemist about creating products for influencers. And we um, had been working on developing different brands and a different a different team to essentially bring these products to life so influencers could have their own products. And um, yeah, the, in the wake of COVID, we, I actually, you know, personal story, don't talk about this much, but I am actually diabetic. And I was, my partner and I were really frustrated that we couldn't get access to hand sanitizer and hand wash and we were having a rant about it one night and we were like hang on a second we actually know the people that could actually bring this to life and so we called them up and said you know what's the possibilities and you know massive challenges um, in supply chain because people were um, you know price gouging ethanols that you needed to manufacture them and a whole lot of crazy things um, but we said, well, you know, basically we, within a week we had solved all of those problems um, and brought the answer to life, which is the new e-commerce brand um, that firstly specializes in hand sanitizer and hand wash, but we've actually developed it as a, a bigger health and wellness brand um, so that post-COVID we can continue to grow out the brand offering. But it's been absolutely amazing. Um, obviously, it solves an immediate need, but we really wanted to make sure that the brand um, considered more than just getting 
crappy sanitizer out to people. We really wanted it to be a beautiful product that encouraged people to use it long term. Um, so a lot of people are finding now with the kind of cheaper products that it's ripping their hands apart and it's not a great experience. And we actually, we know that we need to get people to be more hygienic over time. So we developed it in conjunction with this beauty chemist to add moisturizing agents and use essential um, oils. So, and they're all derived from um, Australian botanicals and we support Australian farmers and all that kind of good stuff. So it's been a massive journey and, you know, all the craziness of starting a new business just condensed down into a number of weeks. Um, but it's also been amazing as well because it's let us use our um, knowledge of marketing mm. in our own product. So that's been super cool as well to yeah. actually start applying everything to a product and a brand that we were very well connected to. So, yeah, it's been cool. That's cool. What's it called? It's called The Answer. Um, the Answer. So it's store. Beautiful. Love to see uh, where that ends up. I think it's a really smart tactic to, to make something that solves the immediate problem but also is something that will last post-COVID um, and the, the new way of living that we'll have. So Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Danielle Lewis, thank you very much for coming on to Add to Cart. Where can people find out more about yourself or Scrunch? They could, let's go Scrunch rather than just bashing the handles around. So find us at www.scrunch.com and you'll find everything else from there. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Now, if this conversation has inspired you to get involved with influencer marketing, Danielle has given you a superb 101 to get started. The key takeout for me is to know your customer, but to allow your influencer partners to unleash their creativity, that that same creativity that made them influential in the first place. So, if you have some influencers in mind, Danny gave some really practical tips on how to vet that they are real. Her three takeouts are, one, Check the types of accounts that are following them. Are they actually real people? Two, check the engagement rates on their recent posts. And three, ask for screenshots of analytics, including the location of their followers. Of course, if you want to make it real simple, you can always partner with influencer experts and tools such as Scrunch. Now, I'm off to Bunnings to build a phone pit as the new podcast studio. See you next week.